Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. I want to first set this up. Let me give you some scriptures. Turn your outline over it if you want to write down some scriptures. I believe if you look at these this week, you'll be inspired by what the Word of God is saying. I've titled the message this morning, Does God Know You? No, Does God Know You? We get a lot of questions about, do you know God? Is God your Savior? And the question is, how well do you know God? But it's interesting, Scripture came alive this morning. I don't know how many times I've read the book, but this morning I looked at some Scriptures once says, does God really know you? Now, we're going to look at that. How, how do you know, Pastor? You say, Pastor, come on now. I thought God knows everything. He does. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, right? And so it says, Pastor, if he knows everything, in fact, he says he knows the hairs on your head, right? So he knows everything. How could you ask me if God knows me? Didn't he make me? Yes. I want to show you some scripture that will put you on one side. You're going to be in this tension place in scripture, right? It's like... God, did you really say, what do you mean by that? Terry and I, Pastor Terry and I, we argue all the time. Well, what about this? Well, what about that, right? When we, a couple of months back, we did this teaching on Wednesday night, equipping the saints, right? And it was once saved, always saved. And we had the the believers, those who said once saved, always saved on this side. And we had those that weren't sure on this side. And those, no, you can lose your salvation. And we argued for a whole night. And there's tension in both sides of that. We concluded Just stay away from the edge. If you think you can get right up to that sin edge as far as you can, no, get as far back, right? So let's stop arguing about whether, just let's settle this. Well, this morning I want us to look at some scriptures. I titled it, Does God Know You? But I easily could have titled this, Who's Your Daddy? Who's Your Daddy? Right? And so here's some scriptures. You ready? Right? Jot some of these down. In Luke 12, he says this. Luke 12, we're going to begin in verse 47, but you don't need to turn there unless you want to. But I'm going to hit these quickly because this is just the rabbit trail to set you up, right? Luke 12, 47 says, A servant who knows what the master wants but isn't prepared and does not carry out those instructions will be severely punished. I looked up severely. It's not good. Someone who does not know and does what is wrong will only be lightly punished. He goes on and he finishes. He says, those who have been given much, much is required. So I ask you this question. How many sermons have you read or heard? How many services have you sat in? I'm just just asking. When I go to these villages in the Himalayas and we ask them sometimes, do you know Jesus? Who is he? I've never heard about him. Or the Afghani who says they're, they're living in Afghanistan. Pastor Leif comes here and he says, you know, they're dying. They've never heard the name of Jesus one time. 
that they will be judged according to the light that they're being shown. That's what Luke tells us. Jesus tells us in Luke 12. So let me ask this question. How much light have you been shown? How much light have I been shown? Because great is your reward, but also you shall be held accountable to the light that you've been shown. So this is this place where he says, if you know what to do and you don't do it, or you're unprepared, severely punished. Now like, Pastor, that doesn't sound real graceful. I'm just reading the word. Why did he put it down in multiple places, right? He goes on, he says, Micah 6.8 says this, Lord shows us what he requires of you, O man. Micah 6.8, write that one down. The Lord has shown us what he requires of us. What does he require? Do what is right, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. I think Ron has that on his license plate of his car. I drive, that's a good license plate. Micah 6.8. He's, he's already shown you what he requires of you. Okay? In Romans chapter 2, he goes on. I'm just going to read this to you. You don't need to turn there. Again, I'm just setting you up. Romans chapter 2, in verse 5, it says, because, now, he's writing. Remember this. Paul is writing to the church at Rome. It's a mixture of both Christian Gentiles and Jewish, uh, Jewish believers that have now come in. And he writes to the church at Rome. And he, the, the whole book of Romans is amazing in the progression. But he writes in Romans 2 about judgment for sin. Verse 5, he says, Romans 2, 5, says, Because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin. Yipes. He's talking to believers. Can you imagine that message? You know? For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and the immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and his wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth, and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing, that's operative, keeps on doing what is evil for the Jew first and then for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do what is good, the Jew first and the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Slip down and said, verse 13, he says, For merely listening to the word or the law doesn't make us right with God. I don't care how many sermons we have sat in. I don't know how many times you shake your head. Yeah, I believe in that truth. Show me. What did James say? I'll show you my faith by what I do. And so there's a time coming, I believe, where this is the Missouri crowd. Show me. All right? He goes on and he says, God has written in his law, those who know the law instinctively, even though they've never heard of it, they demonstrate the law by doing what is good and what is right. And I believe that's where it says on verse 16 of chapter 2, it says, and this is the message I, Paul, proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. I'm asking the Lord to speak to us today about our secret lives, the secret stuff that goes on in this donkey box up here, 
or what's kind of crap, uh, crap, crap, I, don't, I mean, crept in down here. It might be crap, but scratch that from the thing. Anyway, we're going live. Praise the living God. Okay. I didn't, exp- all right. Anyway, God will judge everyone's secret life. He goes on and says, in Luke 13, 22, we're going to turn there later that there's a narrow door that leads to the kingdom. There's a narrow door. And this is an interesting scripture for those. I'm not preaching works righteousness. I'm not doing that. I'm preaching the righteousness that comes from the works of knowing Christ. That after you've come in to the kingdom, there needs to be a demonstration of what you're doing for the kingdom, right? And so he says that, God will repay each person according to their works. But then he says in that Luke 13 scripture, he says, work hard to enter the narrow door. King James says, strive to enter the straight gate. Luke 13, work hard to get through the door. And I'm like, wait a minute. Women in Romans where it says, work to rest. Once you're in the kingdom, there is a rest in Christ. But he says, get busy. <laughs> Right? And so this is that, wait a minute. I'm, I'm like, get, work hard, take a rest. He, Ephesians 2 says, by verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not, a, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. Work hard and strive to get through the narrow door. Like, ah! Why has he put that tension there? This is exactly what he wanted to do. <laughs> And so this is that narrow place, the straight gate. John 3, 19 says this. This is the verdict, red letter. The light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds are evil. They hate the light. But he who lives by truth comes to the light. He's the light. So when you love Jesus, you run to the light. And all the secret stuff doesn't want to stay there anymore. All right, we're still setting up. Luke 8, 21, and Matthew 12, 50. Those who do the will of my Father, they are my family. Remember the scripture? This is in, uh, in, in that Luke scripture, Luke 8. The, the, the whole house is filled. They've been doing miracles, Jesus. They're, the sick are outside. The demonized are outside. This is they can't even find time to eat. There's so many people in the house. They're pressing in. And somebody comes and says, hey, your mom and your brothers are outside. This is at the point where we know Mary knew, but his brothers, Jude, and they were like, yeah, you know, you ought to go to the festival. Let your disciples see you do all. They're mocking him there at that place. And Jesus makes a really interesting statement when they say your mother and your brothers are outside. He goes, who are my mother and my brothers? Who are they? And then he answers it, the ones who do the will of my father. That's family. You want to know if you're in the family of God and who's your daddy? This is the place where I'm doing the will of the father. I love, because Lisa didn't know what I was going to preach this morning. I love how God sets it all up. She goes, I think I have a word from the Lord. And I think it was two or at least three times she says, it's about choice. Can you choose to get on the front line? I want to go back in the battle. It's all about choice. It's all about choice. And that's kind of sets up the rest of this sermon. I want to just give you a couple more scriptures. It says in Matthew 16, 24, 
Matthew 16, 24. We are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow. So when I, I was here, I told you, I was like having a struggle here. I got here Friday night. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, we're in prophetic worship, and Amber and Sarah are up there. They're singing, and, and Amber starts singing about, would you put your Isaac on the altar? Can you release all that you carry? And I'm, I'm like, they're singing to me, God, right now. And, uh, and it was like, yeah, and here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to fashion two crosses for the church on Sunday morning, and then I want you to get some nails and a hammer, and I want you at the end of this service, once we've unpacked nailing our desires and our battles in the name of Jesus, I'd like your congregation to write on a three-by-five card that which is getting them down, that which is beating them up, that which they can struggle with, and I'd like you to take a hammer. We're going to line up the two lines right here. I'm going to have two hammers and two crosses. I'd like you to take your three-by-five, and I'd like you to nail it to the cross. And then I'm going to have our ministry team on either side. As you quickly come past, nail that thing down. They're going to touch you and agree with you in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit is going to empower this place to walk in a different place. I know that was a revelation from God. So, yes, I went to to Home Depot and said, I need this stuff. How do you do it? Where do I get hammers? And here we are. Nail your passions, your lusts, and your desires And take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross daily. Tomorrow, you may, man, that was great. So I'm like, fire it up. Tomorrow morning you wake up, it's like, God, I don't even know if I went to church yesterday. That's the day you're going to have to take it up and say, Lord, what am I going to do? What's the choice you want me to make right now? I was talking to somebody this week. There are times in the battle, and it could be a battle against gossip, racism, hatred, lust, pornography, food, whatever you medicate your old man with. I want to run to that place, and there's times when it's so strong, it's like, God, if you don't show up, if you don't show up now, God, and help me, what do you got? You got to do something. You got to get up and do something. You got to shoulder this thing and say, God, you got to help me. You got to help me right now, Holy Spirit. Now, He said, He will empower you so that you can walk a godly life. That's what He said. So don't say, Well, I was just too strong. The devil made me do it. No, you and your old man decided to do it. You need to tell that old man, Get lost. And so take up your cross daily and follow me. That will prove who is your daddy. You can tell me all. You can witness all you want. Let me, let me walk with you. Let me give you some more scriptures. There are at least, I think, there's probably multiple, but I, I categorize three types of people. There are those who are the devil's children. Jesus made it real clear. We're going to read it in a moment. In fact, they thought they were God's children. They were the Pharisees and the Sadducees who end up murdering Jesus. And he says, you're just like your father, the devil. And that gets, you know, it gets them pretty wound up when you tell religious folks, you, you know, you're going to hell and you don't even know who God is. He says, you don't even know God. They're like, Phew. they picked up stones and about ready to kill him. So there's this category of the devil's children. But then there's the family of God. There's Jesus' family. It's the family. I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. 
They are the children of God. They're the ones who are in the family. But then there's this other category of those who think they're okay. And they walk in so much grace, God will just let me go. And that's those tension scriptures. There's grace, but then there's this, wait a minute, if you know the truth, how can you walk there? He goes on in Hebrews, he says, those who have been, who've known the, 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 the Son of God and trample him afresh, there leaves no more repentance. That's a, woo. I don't like that scripture at all. But those who belong to Christ, in Galatians 5, we'll, we'll end in the service on this one, but in Galatians 5, 24, it says, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and the lusts of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. They've crucified that flesh. All right, now we're going to start the sermon. Turn your sermon outline over. That was all a setup. Now, here we go. But you're going to have to have that foundation or else it's like, what? Let's, let's turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 8. John 8. John chapter 8. And let's begin in verse 31. John eight thirty one. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. There's a lot of interesting operatives there. Those who believed him and those who are truly will remain to the word. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, he's speaking to a crowd there, and he says, but we're descendants of Abraham. See, they thought, well, I belong to a denomination. My parents were good believers. I've been part of this. I've been in church since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. Doesn't qualify you. It says, Jesus said, they said, well, we, we've been, we're not slaves, so what do you mean how are you going to make us be free? We're, we're not slaves to anyone. What do you mean by that? You'll set us free. Verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not permanent members of the family. You get it? But a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you're descendants of Abraham and that some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they just declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you're trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such a thing. No, you're imitating your real father. They replied, we are not illegitimate children of God. Himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me. Because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own. He sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. 
He was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he's being consistent with his character. He's a liar and he's the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth and you naturally don't believe me, which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. The people reported, you Samaritan devil. Didn't we say all along you were possessed by a demon? No. Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He's the true judge, and I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. The people said, now, we know that you're possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died. And you say, anyone who believes in your teaching will never die? Are you greater than Father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. What do you think of yourself? What do you think you are? Jesus answers, if I wanted to glorify myself, it doesn't count. But it is my Father who will glorify me. You say, he's our God. But you don't even know him. I know him. If I had said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you. But I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced. And he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you're not even 50 years old. How can you say that you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to stone him. Jesus hid from them and left the temple. Here's a clarification of, boy, in your face, religious leaders, you, don't, you, you think you know or you think you know the word, and yet you're all off base. It's like, wow. I want you to look at Luke 13. So turn, turn back to Luke in chapter 13. Let's begin in verse 22, Luke 13, 22. The narrow door. Jesus went through the towns and villages teaching as he went, always pressing towards Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He replied, work hard to enter the narrow door to God's kingdom. For many will try to enter, but they'll fail. When the master of the house has locked the door... It's too late. You'll stand outside knocking, pleading, Lord, open the door for us. He's going to reply, I don't know you or where you have come from. Well, then you'll say, but we ate, we drank with you, we, you taught in our streets. And he's going to reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you have come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. Hence the message title, Does God Know You? Let's look at another tough scripture. In John 14, 6, you don't need to turn there, but you know this one. What did Jesus say to the disciples? I'm going to go away. Just before he was to be tried and crucified, he says, I'm going away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll, I'll come and get you. I'm going to prepare a room for you in my father's house. And Thomas peeps up and says, we have no idea where you're going. Because Thomas, um, I'm the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he goes on, if you look at the rest of that, if you really had known me, Thomas, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Past tense. What an interesting scripture. Thomas goes, we don't know where you're going. And then Philip shows it and says, would you just show us the Father? Then we'll believe. These are the guys. He's walked with them for three and a half years. They've seen the dead raised. They've seen the blind eyes open. They've seen the demoniacs. And they're like, we don't know where you're going. We don't know who your Father is. We're like, and he's going, I'm about ready to seal this thing. And they don't even get it yet, Father. He had to be like, oh, man, you're going to have to do something with these guys. What was Jesus' response to Philip? Just believe what I have done, and you'll have seen the Father. The miracles I did, the things, those who validate. In fact, when John was, John the Baptist was about ready to have his head removed, and he's sitting in prison where Herod had him locked up, John sends two disciples to him and says, ask him, because if you're about to give your head up for the kingdom, you'd like to know, did you do it for the right reasons? Are you the Messiah, or do we wait for another? That's a good place when you're sitting on death row and it's just about over. And Jesus said, he didn't go out and give them all the scriptures. He said, go tell them this, the miracles, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. Go tell John that. And tell him not to be offended. Great is he who's not offended by me. So we see in this scripture, it says, that narrow door. So look at your allies. says, Jesus said, work hard to enter the narrow door. Now, in the beginning of that one through eight, us, us, this is that whole choice thing. I like what Lisa said there. comes down to choice. You can believe your way to heaven or you can work your way to hell by the choices that are being made right now, right today, tomorrow. And to whom much is given, much will be required. The question I have for you and for me, and this thing I wrestle with is, how narrow is your door getting? The one who comes in here who's never heard Christ, when, when I hear they've never had a Bible, never had a Bible, never, never read the Word of God. They've been shown a little bit of light. They're going to take a different test than you and me. So the question right now is, how narrowing is our door getting? All of us who sat here year after year, hearing the Word, studying, and then the choices we make that do not honor God. Now, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to put guilt and shame on us. I'm not trying to do that. But there is something about the testimony that is in Christ in us. We have to walk in a righteous place. He's calling us into a righteous place. Because there's blessing in the righteous place. Right? So we, we have to ask the Lord, Lord, how narrow is the door? Where are the places? What are the things I think? What are the things I say? I like when Pastor Mike said, we need to get our lips touched because, man, we all say things that you hang around here any length of time and you say something that doesn't line up with the Word of God. Is that your testimony? You'll get convicted quickly and praise God for that. Number one, true disciples do the will of the Father. We read that. Jesus basically said, over my dead body, you can go to hell. But he respects your free will. He will respect your free will. He desired that none should perish, but there's going to be a bunch perishing. And I'm really speaking to the body of Christ. 
who we think we're okay. Now, yes, there's grace, and yes, there's repentance. And, and there's a scripture. I'll wait to get there, and then I'll, I'll hit on it. But it says, God wants us to love him, but the choice is ours. There's, there were two trees in the garden. Why in the world, I, I shared this last week, God likes to keep our, his, likes to let us walk through things. We keep our children from pain. Don't do that. You'll, you touch the stove, you're going to get burned. But sometimes we learn by touching the stove, that thing's hot. God will allow us in our choices. There's a reason he put the two trees in the garden, because if there's not a choice, then there is no choice. So when he gave instructions clearly, don't do this, and they go ahead and they do it anyway, where does Adam end up? He ends up with fig leaves on in the bushes. And what does God say to him? Adam, where are you? Now, he didn't have a trouble figuring out geographically where Adam was. He was saying, Adam, where the heck is your heart right now? Where are you? Why are you all hiding the bushes with fig leaves on? What have you done, Adam? Don't you know there's consequences to the choice you just made? Don't you and I notice, realize that there are consequences in your family and in your circumstances, in your life and in your health for the choices that you and I make every... There is a consequence. There are natural consequences and there are spiritual consequences. And if we would wake up in maturity and recognize, God, if I would just do what you said, if I would stay within the boundaries of the narrow doors, then I would see the blessings of God multiply. That's what he wants us to work away. Not like, well, you better get pastor put up the fire today and he told us we're all sinners. We're all sinners. I'm asking us to make a different choice. Because why? Listen to this. Number four, I just like, this started. I'm not after works righteousness, but I am after righteous works of love. Why? Look at number four. Truly knowing of each other allows influence over each other. Let me give you a scripture on this one. It's always a debatable one. But truly knowing each other, knowing God, when God says, I know you. You've spent time with me. And I know God. He goes, I like to share secrets with my children. When... When we're playing with the kids, right, we play hide and seek or we hide the, you know, sometimes we hide things and it's like, go put this little thing right, right there. And we, and, and here comes Gabriel. Oh, I found it, I found it. And we get all excited. They found, we didn't hide it so he wouldn't find it. We hide it because we love to see him find it. That's what he said, right? When, when he was, he wrote in Proverbs, he goes, it is the, it's God's plan to hide a thing and it is king's plans to Find it, search it out, seek it out. Find those secret hidden things, right? So here's Abraham. He's in a relationship. You can read this in Genesis 18. Abraham, the father, our great, great, great grandfather, right? The one who says in Galatians 3 that you're heirs and joint heirs with Father Abraham. Everything he owns is yours. Now that'll blow your mind right there, but it's in a bank account. I just haven't been able to write the check on it, all of it yet, right? But so Abraham, he says, would it be right for me? I'm about ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. The homosexuality that's happening in that town is so vile. So I'm going to send my angels down to verify. Well, that, that'll blow your mind. Didn't God know what was going on? Sends his angels down to verify what's going on there. And you know the story. They come out. They want to have sex with the angels. This is bizarre. 
And God says, I'm about ready. I'm done with that place. I am done with it. And he asks the question to the angels, should I share what I'm about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah with my friend Abraham? Now that'll like, what? There's such a relationship in the knowing because Abraham's got family, lots living there, right? And so God says, I'm going to share it with him. Abraham, this is what I'm about to do. And Abraham goes into intercession. I love what Pastor Terry's going to teach on intercession. May there be a church that prays. And he says, God, would you kill that? Would you destroy that whole place if there's 50 righteous in it? God says, no. How about 45? No. How about 30? He walks him right down. This is, my Jewish friend says, this is the first Jewish experience. They chew you right down, right? (laughs) Meaning no disrespect. And so they get right down. He gets down to 10. And I think Abraham said, there's got to be 10. I know lots of, there's got to, he stopped there. I wonder what would have happened if he kept going. There weren't 10. Sends the angels in. They validate how wicked the place is. And you know the rest of the story. He gets Lot out of there. In fact, they're dragging behind. Oh, I'm too tired. I can't get all. The angels say, you got to get over there now, quickly. I'm just like too tired. I can't. He says, well, then just get to that little village. All right. And so they put a hedge around the little village. And you know the story. His wife looks back and blah, blah, blah. All right. What's the point? There's a relationship that allows influence both ways. God shares stories with us, warnings with us, encouragement with us. I needed him to tell me, get up yourself and get to church tonight. Man, that was the Holy Spirit. True knowing of each other allows influence. You can see it again. Remember in Exodus 32? This is crazy, right? Moses up on the mountain getting the law, the Ten Commandments, Aaron, the high priest, is down. He takes too long, so they decide to create an idol god of calves, gold, take all the jewelry. You got you to gotta love it. The high priest, man, I don't, I don't know how that guy lived. Must have been Moses. Intercede. He says, I just took all the jewelry, threw it in the fire, and poof, out came a golden calf. I said, man, that you, <laughs> hello. They just let that one slide. He goes, oh, you know, basically the people made me do it, and da, 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 da. No, Aaron. You're not only lying, but you're not standing on the word of truth. There's a place where now God says, I'm done with these people. I'm done with it. They've had so much word. They saw me open the Red Sea. They saw me deliver them. They saw me bring manna in. They've seen it all. And now these people want to worship some other God? I'm done with them. Moses, no, sir. It's not going to really look good on the resume to, the, to Pharaoh and the troops if you wipe them out. Now, I don't know how to explain that scripture other than God's, well, they're your people. No, they're your people. God. No, they're your people. No, they're your people. And he goes on and he goes, all right, I won't wipe them out. Now, is that influence? You want to talk about intercession for your family members? You want to talk about intercession for a city? You want to talk about intercession for a nation? When you read Reese Howell's book and what happened during World War II and this group of intercessors that came together and some of the things that Nazi Germany had planned were foiled. And I, you got to believe when you read the book and you look at the intercessors, you're like, good night. Thank God there were intercessors on the wall. I'm looking for someone who will stand in the gap, he says. Those who will stand in the gap so I don't have to destroy the land. i got to find them somewhere. 
Because the eyes of the Lord look to and fro on the earth, just trying to find someone who I can show myself strong in. This is that place where it comes down to choice. What are you going to choose to do? When he says, in, it all fits together. In Revelation 19, he says, the bride has made herself ready. How has she made herself ready? By the good deeds that she has done. The garments have been purified by the good deeds done by the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. Those good deeds can be multiplied. I love what's happening. It's like, God, you're so, Richard told me, where's Richard? He's been in Onslow County Jail for 20 years. Let me just pump him up for a minute. I praise God. On Sunday night, he goes there. This week, he meets a young man, comes up to him and says, you remember me? Well, I meet so many, and you know, that's pastors like pastor talk with, no, I don't know who you are. And he goes, I got saved in jail. I want you to know, I just got married after 16 years of living with the women, and we've had six children, six boys. I got saved, and now that's collateral blessing. How about this? God, pastor Mike shares oftentimes, says, oftentimes we do more by mistake than we do on purpose, right? Jim Parker, we've got some extra... Uh, sound gear, so he puts it up on, on uh, Craigslist. So this guy says, I'm coming in to buy it. He couldn't come. One Sunday. Anyway, shows up this morning. He comes to the door as I'm coming in, and he, you can tell he's a little nervous. He says, I'm Jewish. I said, okay. <laughs> Praise God, I know a lot of Jewish guys. In fact, I love one. <laughs> you know. And so, <laughs> just messing with him a little. Anyway, so Jim meets me, and he goes, um, I got a bad back. See, I'm an Afghanistan vet, and I was hurt in an IED explode, explosion. And I was supposed to go to a church on Wednesday night. Some guy was going to have some healing thing going down. I was supposed to go there. And another guy from the other part of the city, I think his name is James, he told me I should go Wednesday night because there's a healing thing going down. I said, that's this church. He goes, what? He says, I couldn't get out of bed. I was in so much pain Wednesday, I couldn't get there. But I'm better today, so I've come to pick up the equipment I just bought. And Jim's sitting there, and he's just smiling, right? You're like, you know this is God's setup. So I said, well, we, we love it when we goes. I have Christian friends. Some of my best friends, friends in the fight were, were Christians. We used to go to services together in Afghanistan. I said, yeah, we love Christians. Let me tell you a story about a Jewish friend, Orthodox Jew, who came here twice and got healed. So I told him, Gil Olochevich's story about the kids praying for him. And he goes, that's awesome. I said, in fact, would you like to go to Israel with us? He took one of the flyers. <laughs> Do you see the God set up? It's like he, he, that guy was supposed to come. So Jim and I lay hands on him and pray for him and heal his back. So Lord, would you right now get Rafi? He starts telling me, you know, one of the names of Jesus, one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha. I said, yeah, that's one of the great names. God is your healer. And so I was like, we lay hands on him. So God, multiply your blessing on him right now and get him, Jesus. These are the things where God just gives us these opportunities, puts them in the target range. It's kind of like, we're going to bless a business? David said, come bless my business. They're not saved. But I want you to come and bless them because I want it to be a blessing. And the guys show up. They sacrifice their night. They drive across town. They go there. And there's the homeless man out front. And there's an intersection. Jonathan called me. He said, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. I said, okay. And they get a hold of Jonathan, the intersection. Just being available. Just being the gloves on his hand. So let me finish this. 
if you look at this relationship that happens. But this is an interesting thought. How could, I'm still trying to reconcile, how could it be that God would say, I never knew you, and I don't know where you come from? I never knew you. It seems to be his knowingness is related to how well you want to be known. I ask this question, does God relegate or has he relegated his knowingness right down to your desire to be known? How far you surrender becomes how far he gets to know us. Now, I get it. We've been hurt, rejected, afraid. All those things that happen in life, it doesn't negate the fact that he still says, I want to know you, but I'm going to give you a choice. And then the choices we make are the ones that validate whether we're family or not. Sometimes the Lord conceals himself. Number seven there. Remember in the walk to Emmaus after the resurrection, they're walking the seven miles to Emmaus, the two guys. Jesus shows up and he's got some other appearance. <laughs> he's just been resurrected. He's not beat up and bloodied anymore. I don't know, but did he, did he hide the holes in his hands? And his, I don't know what he did, but he walks in. What are you talking about? Are you the only guy in town that doesn't know that they, they crucified and the Messiah? Really? What happened? He's playing dumb. Does Jesus ever play dumb? Come on, he's, he's like, and he, he walks the seven miles. I don't know how long that takes. He walks the seven miles. And then when he goes in and breaks bread with them, and they realize, and he disappears. He goes, didn't our hearts burn? How about in Hebrews where it says, sometimes you entertain angels unaware. That smelly homeless guy down the street who might be an angel. I remember a pastor, I read this testimony, pastor took a sabbatical, grew out his beard, got his old clothes, didn't wash for a week, grew it all out, and he came in and he sat like, like where Danny would be, and all the folks around him moved away. The meter greeter didn't thank him, you know, welcome you, how you doing, the coffee, no, it's just like, and they wondered, pastor's supposed to be back today. Came down after the worship, well, where, who's going to preach? And pastor, the homeless smelly man, got up and said, you all failed this test. Come on, come on I'm, I'm preaching to me. I'm, I'm preaching to all of us because I realize the, the door is narrow, and it gets narrower. The more you hear a message like this, you get the excuses tend to fall away. There's no excuse. There's no excuse. He said, I will give you the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to live a godly life. And he knows how to judge the wicked and the righteous at the same time. And so this is this place where sometimes he conceals himself and he sends his angels, his messengers. Well, let's finish. Let me ask you to turn. Um, let's turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, let's look at verse 13. You can, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. 
The highway to hell is broad, and the gate is wide, and many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow, and the road's difficult. It's a difficult road, and few ever find it. Let me stop there for a minute. Romans 12 says, present yourselves. Don't be conformed to the world. Romans 12.1, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed, right, by the renewing of your mind, presenting yourselves as a living sacrifice, the kind that he'll accept. And if you do this, he will show you his plan and perfect will for your life. The, the problem with living sacrifices, they can crawl off the altar. You're alive. You can hear the word, yay and amen. And then tomorrow morning, somebody offers you a joint. You want to smoke? Oh, yeah, I need to relax. Let's go have a joint. Or pornography. Or excess drinking because I need to relax. Those are forms of idolatry and escapism. The gossip. You want to run your mouth and tear down this one or that one. Don't you know you'll be judged for every word that comes out of your mouth? For every word that you take and do, everything you, every action taken. So this is this place where, Lord, I like that, where Pastor Mike said, Lord, shut this up, right? James even says, who can control this thing? It's like fire that burns up and destroys relationships. You curse and bless at the same time. It shouldn't be that way. The one who is spiritual can control this through self-control of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the fruits. This is this place where, God, we... Let me go on, verse 15. Be aware. Matthew 7, 15. Be aware of the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but they're really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. This is the actions again. By the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes? Figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. And a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. Yes, just as I can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. All right, last scripture. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Now let's just look at that whole scripture there in 5. talks about those who walk in the flesh produce all sorts of lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, witchcraft, jealousies, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, drunkenness, envy, wild parties, and sins like these. <laughs> Is there anything left? Wow. And any who live this kind of life, that's your lifestyle, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But those who have the Holy Spirit produce this kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ, here we are again, have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross, crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited and provoke one another or be jealous of one another. 
I heard, I just kind of jumped out of my spirit. I said, using the family name without relationship is identity theft. That's in Matthew 7. Didn't we prophesy in your name? He says, there's a, there's a time coming. They'll say, Lord, Lord. And he says, I never knew you. That one, I got to tell you, that brings a lot of humility in my heart. They said, we knew you. We called you Lord. This is not the guy on the street that's cussing his name out. These are the ones that call him Lord. He says, didn't we prophesy in your name? That's a small group of people. Didn't we cast out demons in your name? That's probably an even smaller group of people. And he says, I don't even know you. You workers of iniquity. We used your name. We used your name. We used your name. We did these things. We did these things. There must have been some fruit in the doing. I never asked you to do what you just did. You are not in my will. I don't know if you were selling books or you were doing it for TV. I don't know what your motive was, but it wasn't for me. That'll sober you up right, right away. We need to be in a place of God. We need to do Micah 6, 8. He's shown you, oh man, what required. Do what is right, love mercy, and walk humility with God. So I want to end the service this morning. With something stiffer, I'm going to invite the team to come back up, if you would. And I would like the guy, I have some guys I asked you to come and help me. So I need uh, four men to hand out some stuff here. If you would, I'm going to hand out a three by five card. I want us to take a few minutes. Maybe we could just start. Um, Amy, just start playing a little quietly. No, not that song that I asked you to do. You guys would hand out those. And then along with that, hand out these and this also. I'm going to hand out a pencil and a 3 by 5 card. What I'd ask you to do is where's the area that you've been struggling? What's the area that battle with, maybe it's a sin pattern in your life, or it's an area, it could be fear, anxiety, which is really rooted in doubt and unbelief, that I don't, I'm not able to trust him, and there might be a lot of reasons for that, just kind of close your eyes for a minute as Amy's quietly playing and Just ask the Holy Spirit. He says, if our devotional this morning, my wife read to me, at, says, if anyone lacks wisdom out of James, let him ask the Lord. Is there a particular area, and usually we know right away the area that we struggle in, could be drugs, alcohol, immorality, maybe you're sleeping around, maybe you're smoking dope, maybe you're drinking too much, Maybe use food. You medicate your pain by eating. A, someone told me recently, I go home, I'm so stressed, I eat over a gallon of ice cream. I know that's not healthy, Pastor. What do I do? I said, we're going to have to ask the Lord. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly. But there's something about you need to take up your cross, nail your passions, 
and the lusts of your evil nature to the cross and follow me. something about prophetic acts the woman with the issue of blood who couldn't get healed after 12 years felt that the spirit said to her if you'll just touch his hem you'll be healed the demoniac to his feet Jesus delivered him over 6,000 demons sometimes you just got to get to the feet of Jesus so this prophetic act where we take and I promise you I will not publish these things in the bulletin okay you nail it to the cross what I'm going to do at some point I'm going to take these two crosses with all the attachments I'm going to pour gasoline on and I'm going to burn them behind the church. As a symbol of all these things that have been tormenting and holding us back, they need to be put into the flame of Jesus, nailed to the cross and set us free. My prayer has been, Lord, set your people free so they can walk in a new level of freedom. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. He went to the cross for that very reason. Or he wouldn't tell us to nail it there take up your cross and follow me. Jonathan wanted to give me a whole lot more. I don't know what you're trying to tell me, Jonathan. right here in the center aisle. I'm going to have the ministry team come forward first and then if we would form some of the, half the ministry team over here and half the ministry team over here after you've come through and after you have nailed what you want to be free from quickly let the ministry team touch and agree. Just let them touch and agree that I agree with you that the freedom comes. It says if two or three would agree is touching, it shall be done for them. So Lord, we just come before you and then you could just have your seat. We're gonna, I've asked the team if they would play that song, The Old Rugged Cross. If you've been in church as long as I have, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. It was an emblem of suffering and shame, but on that day, this is that day. So Lord, I want to be the first to come and ask you to take away 
everything that's holding us back.